are facing soaring home prices. The pandemic hasn't eliminated a favorite time for movie lovers. The Hollywood Awards season is underway. Today, the nominations for the Golden Globes. One of the films topping the list, the highly acclaimed Nomadland, which tells the story of a woman who loses her job in 2011 and decides to live on the road in a van. It's up for Best Dramatic Film, along with Mank, Promising Young Woman, The Father, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. In the acting categories, among those up for Best Actor in the Dramatic Film, the late Chadwick Boseman. The Golden Globes will be handed out on February 28th. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. A popular celebrity vacation spot is closing its landing strip to Americans. The French government has ordered the Caribbean island of St. Bart's to bar most visitors in compliance with its coronavirus protocols. S&P futures up 13. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining, and bloating again and again. No way. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor today. You may be able to save on Linzess and make fewer trips to the pharmacy. See if you're eligible to pay as little as $30 for 90 days. Visit Linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. Sponsored by Abbey and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Mexico's trying to stop a high-end auction. More than 30 artifacts from before Spain colonized Mexico are due to go under the hammer at Christie's in Paris next week. But Mexico says they're part of its national heritage and should be returned. The artifacts include masks, carved stones, and figures by Aztec, Mayan, Toltec, and Mixtec cultures. A few of the pieces are expected to go for more than a million dollars each. Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History says the foreign ministry is working diplomatic channels to try to have them returned. Elaine Cobb, CBS News, Paris. First couple talk to people about magical moments of the inauguration. It seems so surreal the whole day, but when they open those doors, I could, you know, I could just feel this lump in my throat. The moment for me was being sworn in, looking at the chief and seeing... Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. So there's this guy, and his name is Jose, and he's healthy, he's got a happy family, he's busy running his own payroll company in Texas, goes to the doctor and gets news you never want to hear, cancer. And here's the thing, he had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jose and his wife Estrella was, is this really going to work? Especially after they got hit with an $85,000 bill. That bill was paid so fast that it was amazing. We didn't have to worry, they paid right away. All his doctor visits, it was just amazing. So yes, MediShare works. And a typical family saves $500 a month when they switch to MediShare. 
But it's not just about the money. Just to have believers knowing that they're praying for you, you know, you, it just it melted your heart. And I'll tell you, I, I had nothing, nothing but great things to say about Medicare. Why wait? You can call now, 866-88-BIBLE. That's 866-88-BIBLE. 866-88-BIBLE. The always waking up early, letting the dog outside, checking emails, while listening to the best podcast, before heading to McDonald's for a hearty breakfast meal. Like now, you can mix and match the hot and savory sausage gravy and biscuit, crispy bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, or sizzling sausage McMuffin with egg. Get any two for just $4. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item or regular price. Valid when product served. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 90. 7.1 FM WATH. At Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank, member FDIC, CenturyNationalBank.com. Are you ready for an upgrade for your home? Then check out Superior Renovations in Albany for all your home improvement needs. Superior Renovations is a family-owned business of over 20 years specializing in bathroom and kitchen remodelings. Superior Renovations is committed to superior quality and results. For your free estimate, call 740-517-8795. Great references and great prices available for your next project. Superior Renovations, 27480 Old State Lot 346 in Albany. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 9 p.m. Head on over to Larry's Dog House at 410 West Union Street in Athens. I-N-E-P-T. Talking with Coach Art Turf here at midweek. Coach, this wouldn't uh, happen to be one of your favorite uh, parts of our radio series, would it, this program? That's right. You know, right here in the middle of the week, this is uh, too late to go back over the games that have been played and too early to think about what game's coming up this weekend. This is what you call your midweek program. This is where I like to talk about all the legends and the lore that NF Tech football has given to the history of football in this great game of ours. It is amazing how many of the football terms we hear every week on radio and television actually developed right here at NF Tech. Not only that, this is where they got their start, and we are real pleased that we could get this program on there and let all the fine fans know what a fine program we got. One of the terms that we hear quite often, the Hail Mary Pass, and I didn't really realize until we were talking before the program that that uh, actually originated right here. Well, not only that, this is where it got its start, too. You know, a lot of folks was probably under the mistaken idea that uh, that fellow that uh, played quarterback for uh, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Roger uh, Staubach. That's him. That's the fellow. Or, or that boy that uh, played over to Boston College. If that was the 30. Yeah, that's him. They probably think that them boys, because uh, they throwed so many of them Hail Mary passes, they probably thought that they got their start uh, over there. But they, no, 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 no. Got to, got to start right here. We ended up uh, back in 1967. We had a boy 
name of uh, Hale, Hamburn Hale, playing quarterback that time, and, and uh, he was getting on close to homecoming, uh, and uh, we was getting ready to play Cinemer State, and, uh, and Hamburn was supposed to get married right after the ball game, and the ball game was running a little bit long, and, and he decided he took upon himself right there at the last play of the ball game that it was time for him to get to the church, and he better get there on time, so he snapped the ball, faded back to pass, and let one go into the end zone, and as soon as he let it go, he took off the other direction into the clubhouse so as he could get to the church on time, and dog, if that ball didn't get caught in the end zone for a touchdown, only touchdown we scored that day, so uh, from here on in, anybody that fades back to pass and throws one long and deep at the end of the ball game and gets caught for a touchdown, that's called a hail Murray pass, but that's only because Hambone Hill throwed it so he could go off and get married. And I'll be back with Coach Turf right after this message. And this program proudly brought to you by Rent to Own. And I messed it up again. Coach Turf, while we're talking about quarterbacks, any other quarterback terminology originate here? That's right. You know, that takes me back to 1959. Uh, I remember we had a boy named over Benson. Benedict Benson playing quarterback for us. He was the world's first scrambler. He wasn't that boy that played for the Vikings. Uh, his name was... Uh, Brian uh, Tarkenton. That's right. But he went to first scrambler with Benedict Benson because he liked to fix breakfast for all the boys on game day. Uh, uh, scramble eggs for everybody. And when he'd do, he'd have eggs left over and he'd stick them in his football pants. And when he'd get down there on the football field, he didn't want to get tackled with eggs in his ditches. So he'd run around a boarding every day. And that's why they call him a scrambler. That kind of makes you wonder because if he liked to fix poached eggs for everybody if they didn't call everybody poachers. Listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of an Upset, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. It's Wednesday, February 3rd, and of course the year 2021. got a special edition for you today. We have a book author. Mackenzie Perry going to be joining us here in a moment. And she's a native of um, Nelsonville, right? I think that's right. And uh, good morning, Mackenzie. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Listen, mm -hmm. um, you are um, a local person, and um, yeah. um, have you lived all your life in the Nelsonville area? Yeah, so I've been born and raised in Nelsonville, Ohio, but my parents are also from Nelsonville, so I was really lucky to grow up surrounded by the community and... Um, really involved in it so I've always grown up around here and that's why I'm so excited that through my book I'm able to give back to the area a little bit yeah well you know the Perry family I've known a number of Perry's and uh, pretty good people huh 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I have a pretty extensive family because my one side's the Pidcock and Perry family, and mm-hmm. then the other side's the Taggart. So it's holidays and normal years are very large and very busy. Particularly when COVID's not going on, right? Yes. No, no gatherings this year, unfortunately, but hopefully sometime in the future. Well, let's, uh, let me just, um, I, I don't know where to start because, um, but I'll just, I'll just fake it here. Um, America's Got Talent. Um, that's a program my, my wife and I enjoy watching. And uh, there was a gal on there, Darcy Lynn, as I recall her name was, and she had this, uh, well, she had two, um, I want to call them puppets, but um anyway one was petunia i can't remember yeah, the, petunia for a rabbit can't remember the other one's name but the point is um she would do what's that where you um you don't ventriloquist yes and, yeah, I'm uh, a big Darcy fan. and generally told a message and um now lo and behold you do this yes I do. And do you know who started first? Did you get the idea from her, or had you been doing it for years before? So I definitely, I only recently started um, performing as a ventriloquist. It was actually something I kind of picked up during this uh, quarantine time period. Uh, I compete in the Miss America organization, so we one of the factors that goes into our scoring is talent. Yeah, and. I had always grown up loving things with puppets in it, from the Muppets to um, Sesame Street. My parents had to take me to Sesame Street Live as a kid. Sure. So I've always grown up loving things like that. And um, I, of course, like the rest of the world, fell in love with Darcy Lynn's act when we saw her on America's Got Talent. And it was just something I started to play around with um, during quarantine. But as I was like playing around with the idea of having my own puppet it was actually my parents that were like no that's actually you should look into doing that you can actually do it pretty well so from there uh i was recommended to someone who i started working with who um is wonderful and super talented and uh coaches me in ventriloquism so i actually have a coach for it Mm -hmm. and um she's taught me a lot of skills about the craft and I think it's so fun I think it's such a great way to be able to connect with audiences of all ages and from there yeah I just kind of continue with it my um, partner my puppet Izzy is actually um, was designed by me with the people that created her so she is completely my own her story um, is a big part of me and that's what I decided to write about in the book to connect it to my social initiative platform which is Homeless Where the Heart Is, which advocates for the homeless. And so her story is about going through homelessness. And this gives me a tangible way to be able to teach it to children. I actually, um, sometime here soon, I have a partnership. I think it'll be beginning of March. I'm going to be working with the libraries um, in the county to do a virtual story time with my um, partner, Izzy, and the book. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Now... Um, I, I have a photograph here of you and Izzy and the book. And the book that we're talking about, about, folks, is called A Mouse in the House. This is something that you, you 
um, envisioned and re- and wrote. And there's, it's not it's not hard to read. The, the um, but it's very picturesque, and there's a real message behind it, which was your intention all along, right? Correct. I knew that. I didn't want to make it too complex because, as they said, I wanted this to be a tangible way to connect with kids um, about the issue of homelessness. And one thing about children is that they can normally understand feelings and the way things make them feel, even if they don't understand the more, like I said, complex issues that go into it. So I knew from the beginning I wanted it to have a strong message but also be teachable. And so... That was kind of the thought process going in, and I have an extremely talented cousin who did all the illustrations mm-hmm. for the book, and so. Well, they're they're, really they're highly professional. I mean, they are beautiful. Uh, she is so incredibly talented. I yeah. am very lucky and thankful for her. Well, now let's see, Nelsonville native. So uh, when it came time to um, let's see, what were some of the activities you were involved in uh, growing up? Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. So I, I was kind of the, the the person growing up that was involved in anything I could get my hands on. I don't think there was a club in school I wasn't involved in. I did cheerleading for 12 years, and sure. I, I also did track and golf, but I also was president of the history club, and I was um, class secretary all four years on student council, um, parliamentarian for National Honor Society, pretty much. Anything you could name it, I was signing up for it. So, so um, I also, you're saying I probably uh, timed you at an Athens meet. Uh, at, uh, I always head up the uh, timers for the Athens and OU meets. Um, so you would have been down here running um, at um, well, Pruitt Field and stuff like that, right? I actually only did indoor track because of my um, season's conflictions. But, uh, so I mostly competed at like Ohio State and Capitol, but um, okay. Well, but, then I didn't get to time you. Well, anyway, so you're track and field specialist in uh, cheerleading, all sorts of things, student body. And, um, one of my favorite things I actually got to do was uh, I was Miss Pretty the Hills in 2014, uh-huh. which is kind of how I that segued into me joining the Miss America organization. But that was one of uh, my greatest accomplishments i feel and i'm so thankful that i've had the opportunity to represent um our festival and our community for a year uh i think that was a really unique and wonderful experience to get to know the people of the area better and throughout the state so i was really thankful for that too now in the meantime you graduated and moved on to a high university and what major did you have in mind I came to Ohio University uh, in 2016, and my majors are international business, uh, pre-law, and strategic leadership. Uh, My uh, career goals are to go on to law school after this and study international copyright law. So I kind of have a little bit of a mix of everything in there. I also uh, am a part of the Shea Sales Center, which is Actually, at Ohio University, we have the number one sales center in the nation, so I'm really lucky to be part of that, too. So I have a sales certificate. So I'm a little all over the place, but I do want to study law. Well, um, it sounds like you've got uh, all sorts of opportunities, and this is terrific. Now, um, 
I'm, I'm a little curious. Uh, you were uh, Miss Parade of the Hills, and then uh, you're now in the capacity of a an Ohio um, candidate for Miss Ohio, right? Correct. Miss and Ohio you represent what area? I represent Miss Miami Valley, so... Now, how's I, that work out? You're from Nelsonville. Right, so I think that's the one thing that people are a little confused on when it comes to Miss America organizations. So, Miss Ohio has locals throughout the state, and most of them are open to... Because it is a scholarship opportunity, they want to give young women ample opportunity to secure scholarships. And so their locals are held across the state, and they're open, meaning that you're not restricted to your geographical area. Okay. Um, which, so I competed at uh, Miami Valley because that's the first one of the year. Um, and I was lucky enough to go on to have that title. So, so you got it right out of the chute, so to speak, right? You didn't have to try another area. Well, it, it was um, a kind of a complicated situation so I at first um, I didn't win this title and I went off to study abroad in England but with COVID happening and everything there were some changes and the circumstances and they actually called me up and said hi we would like to offer you the title um, when you come home okay. so I was really lucky to have that uh, opportunity open up because with with my majors I missed mentioned before you actually have to um study abroad twice so i was actually in london when covid broke out mm -hmm. uh, which was quite the experience to try to get home from europe in that scramble oh, but yes. i oh, was yes. i was really thankful to have the um opportunity to come back to the miss ohio program and the miss medical organization um in light of that now i, I don't know which direction to go first but uh, so if i miss it i'm We'll come back to it. Um, so let's continue on with the Miss Ohio thing. Um, if um, Okay, so there are how many different contestants that go for the Miss Ohio title, roughly? Roughly around, candidates-wise, around 22 to 25. Um, okay. There are locals, like I said, throughout the year, so quite a few young women and you have to win a local or enter directly from a festival that meets the criteria to compete for Miss Ohio. So you are in the running to be Miss Ohio now. And yes. uh, when does that decision get made? So that will be in June. Okay. It's the like second to third week of June. It's Miss Ohio week the whole week. Um, and where, where we go when we do different um things in the community of Mansfield, Ohio, where Miss Ohio is held, and so that'll be that week, and then they will come to Miss Ohio, and then that Miss Ohio will actually go on to compete for the 100th Miss America. That's right. This is the 100th year, isn't it? Yes. So the next Miss America will be the 100th crown. Yeah. Now, um, some years ago, uh, there was a guy by the name of Lori Lee Schaefer. And uh, Lori and I were very close friends. We were in theater work together. And uh, Lori was from Bexley. And she became, um, I, I don't know what her lower role was, but eventually she became Miss Ohio. Yes. And she, she, and she came to Ohio University, too. 
And this was yeah. back in the period of time where there were people protesting the Vietnam involvement and all of that sort of thing. It was a very t touchy time. And to be Miss America was a little more complicated back then than, um, than it has been at other times. So um, anyway, she went on and became Miss America. And yes, uh, go ahead. You, she was 1972 Miss America, I believe. Which, yes. And I uh, keep in touch with her. Um, she's terrific. And an OU alum and a former Miss America. How cool is all of that? I think that's so incredible. I, I love the fact that she graduated from Ohio University and a fellow Bobcat has um, went on to win the title of Miss America. I think that's so cool, especially that you you said you have known her for so long and been close friends with her. I think that's so incredible. She's such a role model, and she was Miss America at a really controversial mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, kind of a... It was a very impactful time for the organization. I mean, in the past years, we've had a lot of rebranding for what a Miss America looks like and what a Miss America should be. And I think those like Lori Lee Schaefer led the way for those kind of changes to be made um, about what a modern Miss America looks like in the 2.0 system. Well... Um, we'll come back to all of this, but um, one of the things that you've enjoyed doing is uh, taking on, what do you want to call it, um, um, focusing on several areas that you're concerned about, and, and it's, an, it's a sincere thing for you, um, and, and so, you know, one of the things is... Um, uh, child abuse. Um, y you help me with this list. What are these things that uh, have caught your eye? And, and you know, I doubt it's been with a whole lot of par parental influence, but I know parents help. But um, these were things you were sincerely concerned about. So mention a few of them. Are you talking in terms of my platform with my Miss America work or just both. Uh, so for my Miss America platform, um, I, I, I'll give a little bit of insight about how I found my platform and how I got into it because um, I think that's important. So I've grown up, like I said, in Nelson my whole life, so I've always been around this community and I've seen the way that um, impoverished, uh, how the poverty uh, can impact those in the community, even from a young age. I actually... I won't include any names, of course, but I actually remember one early thing in elementary school is I had a friend who loved coming to school, and he got made fun of a lot by other kids because he was very enthusiastic at school, always the first one to raise his hand or answer questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, many people found that obnoxious because for children and children at the time, like, will pretty much make fun of people for anything, but he was always really enthusiastic, and I was always super enthusiastic about learning as well, so we kind of formed a friendship through that. And uh, as I got to know him more, he actually opened up to me that the reason he was so excited in school is because that's the only place he felt safe. His family actually, 
he was homeless at the time. They had been living in a like cardboard boxes on the the streets, quite literally. Wow. And so that kind of changed my perception from everything from a young age. Um, knowing someone who I went to school with every day that was homeless and going through that. And so growing up, I was aware that that was something that I wanted to combat. Uh, it was it hit close to home. I knew people personally and especially in this area. So from there, when I was older, I went ahead and uh, did an internship with Habitat for Humanity, which was really great to be able to um, see firsthand the way that that organization was able to help those and need and there's tons of ways to help through habitat with their builds where people volunteer and go help build the homes and then the resource they just have a lot of great opportunities that impact the community but i was really thankful to intern there and volunteer through them and from there i just continued my passion to work on this cause so i went on three service trips um to new orleans washington dc and um Niagara Falls area uh, to work on rebuilding homes uh, or helping those in need that were homeless. And from those trips, I learned a lot. Uh, actually, one of the defining moments for my platform was when I was in Washington, D.C. There was a man named Keith. Uh, it was when I was distributing lunch in the parks of the inner city to um, those who were homeless. And there was a man named Keith, and he, we, I gave him lunch, and we were talking for a good while, um, and he was telling me a story about the reason he became homeless was because he was a plumber, and his truck was his business. Well, one day while he was working a job, it got towed. He didn't have the supplies he needed to do jobs, so he couldn't make money, but he couldn't get his um, truck untowed, so he'd been homeless since. And when I, we asked if there was anything we could do for him, he had said, pray for me to have another day, another day to have a chance to turn my life around. I'm just so thankful for life. And that really hit me because this man was so thankful for life and the opportunity to keep trying. And I think that that's something that's easy to take for granted. And all he wanted was the chance to turn his life around. And that's one thing that really resonated with me with Habitat for Humanity is their slogan is uh, hand up, not a hand out, because I think a lot of times there's this negative stereotype with those in the homeless community that um, it's people who don't want to work or lazy, and that couldn't be further from the truth. These people are really just looking for an opportunity to get out of these circumstances. It can be really hard when they feel ostracized from society to reintegrate. And so hearing that from him, I was sure that that's what I wanted to do for my social initiative. And so when I got involved in the organization, that's where I started. And from there, it's only continued to grow. Um, I do kindy care kits in the area, which are kits with essential items, such as food, water, hygiene products, and things like socks and gloves that uh, I found where we only have one homeless shelter in Athens County, of course. Uh, I found that I needed something for those on the go um, that don't necessarily have a place to stay. So those have kind of taken off, and I distribute those throughout the state of Ohio. And then more recently, of course, is my book with all the profits going to um, homeless shelters. And um, so that has been kind of my work with homelessness. But there can be so many issues um, with that, especially, like I said, starting with children because mm -hmm. 
children don't understand the complexity, but many in our area actually do face this issue of not enough food on the table, nowhere to stay. And so that's kind of where my puppet comes in because these children might be more willing to discuss things with a puppet than they would an adult figure, um, which I'm really thankful to have that way to connect with them. Sure. But that's definitely been kind of my background I'm, in it. And I'm curious. Um the the young man that in elementary school, or I assume at that grade, was so quick to want to answer any question and so on, but was homeless and so on. Um, do you know what became of him? I do. I don't want to say too much because I know that he is still in the area. He is doing well, um, and I think he will always be a lifelong learner. I think. He had such drive, and he's so intelligent, and honestly, I think will always be a role model for me. Um, but that's, that's the thing is has he given opportunities. To has he been people. able to pull himself out of... Um, yes. Oh, thank yes, you. I, that's, that's what I was getting yes. at. Yes, he definitely has, and um, he, he found opportunities, and I think that's why it's so important because... I've seen firsthand the change and the impact that these opportunities, like I said, it can be very overwhelming when you are part of the homeless community to reintegrate back into society. That's part of, so my platform has four different stages. It's education, legislation, rehabilitation, and service. And rehabilitation really focuses on reintegrating people back into society because it can be so hard when you aren't doing things like working on your resume up to date with how people are interviewing for jobs or mm-hmm. even just how many times do people pass homeless individuals on the street and not want to engage in them. It can be very ostracizing to not have people look you in your eyes or have a conversation with you like you're a person for however long period of time. So I think really working to get these people reintegrated back into society is extremely important. I find myself um, sometimes being looked at a little oddly because I do acknowledge people and I speak to them. And these aren't people I necessarily completely know. I may know their face, but I don't know the person. Um, But even people I've never met before, I'll say hi. And stuff like that, and they're they're often startled, aren't they? <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> well, listen, uh, you've mentioned several times a book. This yes. this book um, is entitled, folks, "A Mouse in the House," and it's just been released, right? Yes, it's just been released. If anyone wants to purchase it, um, I've been taking orders. You can find me on Facebook with my name, Mackenzie Perry, um, and I've been taking orders through through um, Facebook, but also um, if any of you wanted to reach out via email, you can email me at any time, and I will gladly take orders that way. Like I said, all profits are going to homeless shelters in the area. Now, um, <clears throat> once again, folks, I want to make sure you have our guest's name um, clearly. It's Mackenzie Perry, Okay. And uh, Mackenzie is spelled, um, let me see here. I want to make sure I'm right. I don't want to mislead anybody. <laughs> um, now I'm flipping through my notes real quick. Here. I can I can go ahead and Here I got it. 
M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, in the last name Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. Now, Mackenzie Perry, and later I'll give you folks, a, well, if it's all right, your email address so they could... Uh, yes, okay. of course. So Mackenzie, uh, with the help of her cousin, uh, came up with this book, and it's called A Mouse in the House. Now, uh, this is um, meant to be a children's book, but as I flipped through it last night, um, even though each page only has maybe, it has a photo, a, a picture, a piece of art, and maybe eight or ten words, each page, um... But even though it's meant for children, it really is very useful for anyone. Um, and the, the point you bring out a great deal is homelessness, right? Yes. And I think even larger than homelessness is just thinking about the way that we treat others who we might see as differing from ourselves, um, I think this message, while I do want to use it to teach about homelessness, at the end of the day, the message is about the way that we interact with others and empathize with others. And I think that's a really important message for people in all stages of life. Now, your cousin, Tia, uh, she did a lot of the artwork. Um, You know, she tried to bring out the characters you were describing to her. And, yes. and it is first-class quality, folks. Um, he is so talented. I am so thankful. I've always been yeah. so in awe of her skill and art growing up. So, so as you go through it, and I don't want to give it away because um, that, that's the whole nature of books. You want to see them for yourselves. So um, there's a mouse, and... He goes through all sorts of hardships, and yet, very creative mouse, has all sorts of talents that have not been allowed to be seen, goes through various hardships, homelessness, and so on and so forth, even being mistreated, but it all works out because the positive points of his life allowed him to shine ultimately, or she to shine ultimately. Is that a fair uh, description? I definitely think, and I think the point of it, too, is the substance of people that you might not see there upon first glance, and when given the opportunity, how much people are able to do and surprise you um, when given that opportunity. So... Um, first of all, let's call this a standalone project, regardless of Miss America or Miss Ohio or whatever. This is a first-class thing, and I congratulate you on it. Number two, um, you you mentioned pre-law, you mentioned different things. You're a senior at Ohio University. Correct, uh, I will graduate this May. So, you know, you're going to have some other um, schools to select, a law school and so on, um, 
have you given any thought to that? I am, and I actually just submitted a bunch of applications this past week, so I am waiting to hear back on decisions. So this is a very um, in-between time, but yeah, I will yeah. be making decisions soon. So for, I, forgive my nature of the questions, but uh, what's, are there been any Ohio schools you've applied to? I'm applying to schools in an out-of-state and some even um, internationally. Okay. Um, where I am studying international law, so um, it'll kind of just depend all the puzzle pieces falling into place uh, where I end up. Like I said, both in in-state, out-of-state, and out-of-country, so there's a lot of it's very different, uh, a lot of different options, but I'm really considering all of them, of course. Um, like I said, my dream is to be in Ohio and be able to work with our state for years, so if given the opportunity to have the job for Miss Ohio, law school will be pushed back a year um, as I work with the community of the state for the year, but that's definitely um, a big decision I have coming up. Uh, This may be a terrible question, but I'm going to try it anyway. When I look at your photograph, um... The person I see is stunning, okay? Thank you. (laughs) Now, um, do you think your appearance makes it more difficult for you to have serious discussions about important matters to humanity, Um, or does it help you? We actually talk about this a lot. as title holders, the past Miss Ohio from last year, uh, Maddie Lynn, I was at a conference with her once as her guest, um, and she talked about this in front of the room and said, it, appearance and the way people perceive you can be so different. Some people look at you, and they see your appearance, and they see a crown on your head, and they say, we should give attention to this person because she has a crown on her head and some, someone important. Other people look at you, and they see your appearance, and they hear about your involvement in the Miss America organization, and they think, that's just a pretty face. What could she know? I'm not going to listen to her because I don't think that she could be intelligent or um, worldly. Or so I, and then um, you have some people, I feel like, that are just the in-between, the people that look at you like you're just another person. And so I think people can fall anywhere on that spectrum. Um, it can either, the crown can either be a microphone in some situations where it amplifies your voice and people really take note, or it can be really difficult to break through and um, reach people. But either way, I definitely think it does play a role, um, and that's a role that you have to be conscious of when you're a title holder. So a very important theme to you we've already brought out is homelessness. Um, yes. I'm, I'm betting there's a half dozen other things that someday you'd like to address. Absolutely. Uh, whether you make Miss America or Miss Ohio or whatever. Absolutely. Now, name a few. I'm, I think right now, more than ever, um, in our area and the country as a whole, um, black lives and the life of indigenous and um, 
minorities have to really be advocated for. Uh, I think one of the common misconceptions is that when people say that these people have had a hard time in life, um, it doesn't mean that your own experience hasn't been hard as well. It just means that who you are as a person doesn't make it any more difficult, such as saying that um, growing up as a woman, I've had different experiences than my male counterparts, let's say, in the College of Business. Um, In the College of Business, I definitely think as a female, you go through different experiences than the men, for the most part, just in the way that you're perceived. And so when people are saying that um, it is hard for them and they face difficulties, it's not saying you haven't faced them, but that who you are and how you appear to others doesn't make it more difficult for you. And so I definitely think that that's a big issue that um, I'm very passionate about, and um, I see the way it affects a lot of my um, friends and those in the community and the nation, and so that's definitely something that I will be a lifelong advocate for. Um, On top of that, uh, women's rights, of course, and the rights of the LGBTQ plus community are extremely important to me. One of my biggest role models has always been Ruth Bader Ginsburg, so um, her memory and her fight, um, lifelong journey and fight for um, equality and justice for all is something that I will carry with me. And uh, I say I want to study law. My end-all, be-all is to be on the Supreme Court, actually. So (laughs) hopefully someday I can begin to make a difference like that. Well, that's a lofty goal, and... um I, you know, it's so competitive once you get to those levels. I've been near them, and um, it, it can be rewarding. It can also be very disappointing. So, yeah. um, anyway, I, I want to watch your career carefully. The um, You say you've been involved in Habitat. We have two staff members that are. Um, you've been involved in, um, um, the, pro, the homeless projects over at, um, oh, on Lurig Road. Help me out. Timothy House. Yes, Timothy House. Yeah. And, um, things like that. And even, you know, I, I have a feeling even if none of these things come about, I mean, you've already done very well in being recognized, but if, if it just stops at this level, um, this is not something that's going to stop for you. This not is, at all. Yeah. It's not, I'm not doing these things because I'm a part of the Miss America organization. I joined the Miss America organization because they had these things that represented uh, ideals that I valued. I joined the Miss America organization because I think it is a great place for young women to be empowered and make a difference in their community, but I don't work on making a difference because of the organization. It's just an organization that I feel directly aligns with my values and the impact and legacy I want to leave behind. So my work will continue even if June comes and of course I want to be Miss Ohio, but at the end of the day, there are over 20 yeah. extremely accomplished, intelligent, talented women. All my sisters are incredible, and I admire them all. At the end of the day, the, 
everyone but one is going to walk away without that title. And so the work does not stop there for me. If I walk, if I don't walk away with it, then um, I will just take another route to making the change that I want to see happen and um, continue to try to make an effort in the ways that I can. We, we've already touched on this a little bit, but again, my friend Lori Lee Schaefer, the time at which she was selected, 1971, to be Miss America, and Ohio University, um, not graduate at that point, but student who later became a graduate, um, she had a really tough time serving as Miss America on this campus. There were a lot of people who were anti-establishment back then. And um, do you, you know, with some of the political feelings that are going on now, it's nothing like it was back then, but it's still touchy. Do you, do you get criticize do you get criticism once in a while about what you're doing i think it yeah, like i said those like or at least schaefer kind of paved the way for this america to go through this revolutionary um time period of change and adaptation and what it means to be a modern miss america i'm really thankful in that like i said earlier the organization really aligns with my values and i think I think I can stand by and feeling that what the Miss America organization stands for and does is right. I think that they stand up for social justice and equality and all the things that I personally embody. So when I do face criticisms, because I have had um, backlash, but that's usually from people that aren't familiar with the organization and still think of it as the beauty pageant phase, which um, a lot of people see as, being kind of holding women back instead of empowering them. But Miss America's moved beyond that. Like I said, we don't have things like swimsuit anymore. We compete solely on um, talent and interview and, like, the way we present ourselves um, in a professional manner, so to speak. And so I definitely think with the direction Miss America 2.0 has moved in, it, it is much easier to discuss with people um, because I can point at the organization and say, no, here are their ideals, here are what they stand for. Um, they are speaking out on these causes. They are trying to make a difference. Um, they're empowering women. They're one of the largest scholarship providers for women in the U.S. They're empowering all these women to become educated and stand up for what they believe in and um, encourage social change. So I think that that has been unlike during that time um, when there was a lot of uncertainty about where the direction of things like Miss America were going to go. Now I'm, it's really very rooted and I know what the organization stands for. And so I can turn to that because it does really align with my values. Well, I, you know, this is an interesting story. I think you decide, but I came to Athens on two occasions back in that period of time. One was to visit a good friend, Dan Radcliffe, who graduated from here, music major. The other was to visit Lori. And I remember going to a restaurant that no longer exists. 
um, and we were having a bite to eat, and people would walk, not a lot, but several people did walk up to the table and almost cuss her out because of what she was doing. So anti-establishment they wanted her to be. And they considered that of running for the Miss America contest with Vietnam and everything going on to be so, well, establishment. Um, and yet when she did take office, I think she worked very hard, as you are intending to do, um, to, to, to erase that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that definitely, she was in a very difficult time, like I said, of addressing the idea in people's mind. I think this stays relevant to today of what is Miss America, what is, uh, is it how people view it? Because many people, when they hear Miss America, think beauty pageants and glam and uh, things like you said, like establishment. And Mm -hmm. I think. I think Miss America 2.0 and the way that the organization has moved in is that it's definitely um, more of... One thing I love about the Miss America organization is that it's always been a trendsetter and ahead of the curve. They've always worked to better women and be the first to do it. Um, And I think that that's the same with 2.0. They were the first to move away from this idea of what is a beauty pageant and how do people view that instead let's reshape Miss America to a household name again of being a modern woman Miss America is an educated woman woman Miss America is someone that uh stands up for what she believes in Miss America is um I I like the idea now I think we've moved into a time where Miss America does have opinions Miss America does have a voice Miss America uh, stands for things, and uh, not that that's changed because Miss Americas have always had opinions and voices, and they've always been super hardworking and passionate. But I think that society as a whole is beginning to see that more. I don't know if that's due to media or just probably because we're able to address these more people, we're able to see it more widespread. I mean, with through websites and coverage, but even think, even the Miss America leadership, if you will. Yeah, uh, they've changed it's, significantly. It's ran, um, the board is ran, of course, by uh, women now and people that have competed in the system. And so I think with all of that rebranding, mm-hmm. um, the although the Miss Americas haven't changed, they've always been intelligent, accomplished, empowered women. I think that the way that others perceive them now is beginning to change, and I think people are starting to view Miss America as more of a modern um, a modern woman. Mackenzie, you've got my vote. Let's talk about two things here. Number one, this, this children's book, but it really can serve adults too. A Mouse in the House, Izzy Finds a Home. Uh, where is this available? So it's available right now. Um, if you just let me know, so if you email me or you comment on Facebook, uh, right now we are working with um, printing at publishing it through the high university um, printing services. So mm-hmm. if people 
reach out to me. Um, we will be shipping those out for people that have already ordered this week. Um, and if you reach out to me on either email or Facebook, uh, you can request a signed copy if you would like to. I know a lot of people have reached out to me about that. But if you order one from me, we will um, get it out to you, of course. And Is it, um, is it available, say, at uh, Little Professor or something like that? I haven't got it into any bookstores yet, um, particularly because I just actually, um, very excitingly, I just had an order for, um, I had an order this past week for a lot of those that I had had printed from um, mm. Integrated Services, so they'll be distributing my book to 14 um, counties in Ohio, uh, uh, and they're requested Kinsey Care Kits as well, so I'm really excited to work with them and get that out to so many counties in Ohio. But because of that, um, I haven't really been able to get into any of the stores yet and stuff. So right now, sales are so, just, like I said, it was just released so through email or Facebook as of right now. Okay, folks, I'm going to put it like this. Um, it's easier for us to um, have you call our radio station and we'll provide the email or cell number and that sort of thing. Um, and then, of course, you can look, you can search for Mackenzie Perry and find it on Facebook and things like that. But we'll, you know, um, we're trying to make it as easy as possible. And we, we only have about a minute left, folks. Um, if, if, um, someone would like Mackenzie and Izzy to perform, um, they would reach you that way too? Yes, I... I'm incredibly open to any performances or readings to children or classes you would like me to do. Mm -hmm. um, so if you want to contact me via email or Facebook that way, too, I'm always happy to make an appearance and help out in any way I can. Um, I hope to have you on this show again as things progress. You know what I mean? Yes, I thank you so much for having me. It's sure. been so great talking to you and hearing about your um stories as well. Those were incredibly interesting and hearing about Lori Lee Schaefer. I have others too, but that's all right. Listen, I'm going to let you go and uh, have a great day. You too. Thank you so much once again. Okay. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. British researchers are delivering hopeful news on tamping down the spread of the coronavirus. Dr. Andrew Pollard's team at Oxford found the AstraZeneca vaccine appeared to slow transmission rates by 67 percent. That's a big reduction um, in the number of individuals in the community who would be able to pass on to others. AstraZeneca's vaccine has not been approved for use in the U.S. yet. Coronavirus vaccines are still a rare commodity in many places. The San Antonio Fire Department's Joe Arrington says it's become a problem. We've been actually calling 911 to try to sign up, and that's clogging up our 911 system. Doses there have been delayed. People waiting to get second shots at the Alamo Dome will have to wait another two weeks. There's been a deadly helicopter crash in the Northwest. Correspondent Cammie McCormick. Three Idaho National Guard 
personnel were killed when their Black Hawk crashed near Boise last night. They were all pilots taking part in a routine training flight. A ground search followed with rescue crews. It isn't clear what caused the crash. Members of Congress are honoring Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick in the Capitol Rotunda this hour. He is only the fifth private citizen to lie in honor. Officer Sicknick was killed after he was injured in the attack on the Capitol last month. His remains will be transferred to Arlington National Cemetery today for burial. Newly revealed footage shows Minneapolis police officers detaining a black man three weeks before George Floyd's death. CBS's Jeff Pegay says the incident looked familiar. What's y'all doing? What's y'all doing? This video taken on May 3rd begins by showing Minneapolis police officers Derek Chauvin, Thomas Lane, Alex King, and Luis Real Vizquez forcefully detaining Adrian Drakeford. Drakeford face down screams his innocence. The three officers involved in both cases were fired after Floyd's death. No comment from police officials on the video, which was obtained by the Minneapolis Star Tribune. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association has unveiled this year's Golden Globe nominees. Topping the list is the film Mank, which tells the story of Hollywood screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz and the making of the film Citizen Kane. Remind me never again.